0: Part one of our mission, we have meditated on the penitential Psalms, and especially Psalms 32 and 51, and we will conclude by reflecting on how to receive the sacrament of penance and reconciliation fruitfully. Before we do that, it is essential to think about sin and about conscience, which assists us as we seek to realize the moral implications of the sins for which we ask God's forgiveness. In fact, Each day we should make an examination of conscience, and we should certainly do so as we prepare to receive the sacrament. We sin when we use our freedom to go against the will of God. We do not love God and love neighbor as we are meant to. As for our personal responsibility for sin, three factors must be considered. First, the objective fact. Thoughts and actions can be more or less seriously contrary to the will of God. For example, to punch someone is bad, to kill is worse. Second, freedom. We can be more or less free in our actions. The more free we are, the more responsible we are. Third, knowledge. We can have a greater or lesser knowledge of the moral significance of our actions. The more knowledge we have, the more responsible we are. Of course, we are also morally responsible if we willfully restrict our freedom or our knowledge, for example, by getting drunk. Our greatest true moral guilt is when we knowingly and freely do something that is in fact seriously wrong. Conscience is the faculty for moral judgment. It is obvious that we must follow our conscience since we are bound to do what we sincerely believe to be right. And our conscience is the faculty of the human person that assesses what is right and what is wrong. Our conscience is like the navigation system of an airplane or the GPS programs now on our mobile phones. These guidance systems are only effective if first, the machinery is in good working order and second, the information fed into it is accurate and in touch with reality. Therefore, our conscience needs to be working properly and be neither lax, where we do evil but think nothing is wrong, nor scrupulous, where we think almost everything we do is wrong, whether it is or not. We need to have a well-adjusted conscience. If it is too lax, we need to consider more the justice of God. If too scrupulous, we need to consider more the mercy of God. Guilt is the alarm bell of conscience. It is like pain. It is good that we feel pain when we put our hand in the fire, for that warns us to pull it out. But pain is bad when it serves no warning purpose. Conscience is like a smoke detector. We want the alarm to go off, when the house is burning down, but not when we burn the toast. Who can help us keep our conscience in good working order or tell us when it does not seem to be working properly? To help attune one's conscience, it is important to have a confessor or spiritual director or friend who can give an honest assessment of whether one's conscience is balanced we need to find people who are well-versed with accurate information. This leads to another critical aspect of conscience as a guidance system. Any navigation system will only help us to arrive where we want to go if the information fed into it is accurate. Conscience means con or with, science or knowledge. Our conscience will only be of value to us if it is based on a knowledge of reality. And the basic reality is the will of God, which we discover through our own inner sense of right and wrong, through the scriptures, and through the faith of the church. Where do we find the right information to feed our internal guidance system, our conscience, so we stay on a true and faithful course? Well, first, certain sources of moral guidance have much more weight than others. Foremost are the scriptures and the constant teaching of the Church. The New Testament is the word of God entrusted to the Church, to be interpreted as Vatican II describes in Dei Verbum, with the role of the apostolic teaching office crucial to that interpretation. The Pope and the other bishops have received a mandate from Christ to guide and shepherd the Church. These teachings of the successors of the Apostles are not inspired, for that term is appropriate only to the scriptures. However, they are guided by the Holy Spirit in the exercise of their office. The Apostolic Teaching Office of the Pope and the Bishops is not some alien force suppressing the conscience of individuals. The Apostolic Teaching Authority is simply proposing the moral coordinates that are the way of Jesus, who is the way The truth and the life. That proclamation is life-giving and liberating and an invaluable assistance to each individual Christian in the formation of conscience. Throughout history, individuals who have disagreed with the gospel's challenges have routinely rejected it and formed their own consciences by other norms, as Paul's letters regularly indicate even in the earliest days of the church. Well, one is free to do that, but it is important to know what that involves, rejecting the authentic Christian norms for the formation of conscience. The Christian call to holiness is not vague or to be created afresh by each Christian. It breaks in upon our individual desires and opinions and challenges them and invites us to go beyond them. So too, in the Old Testament, as the wise saying goes, The Ten Commandments are not the Ten Suggestions. We can choose to be part of a communion with many saints, spiritual teachers, and theologians who can help us interpret the word of God in Scripture and in the living tradition of the Church, but also with the gift of the Spirit guiding the teaching office of the apostles and their successors. In summary, first, Each person must act according to conscience, for that is all a person can do if one is to act with integrity, and by that each person is judged by God. Second, our conscience is like the navigation or the modern-day GPS systems. These guidance systems are only effective if the machinery is in good working order and the information fed into it is accurate and in touch with reality. Third, our navigation system, our conscience, however, is easily susceptible to bad or incorrect information, to rationalization, and all kinds of distortions coming from the popular culture or from within, or the traditional formula, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Finally, conscience for a Christian needs to be formed in accord with both reason and revelation especially as that is found in the scriptures and as it is communicated and interpreted in the living faith of the church with the assistance of the apostolic teaching office which Jesus gave us and which the Holy Spirit guides down through history.